Hello, this is part two of the Extreme Cinema Podcast David Lynch special. If you've not already heard part one and would like to hear us discuss David Lynch's work from Eraserhead to Twin Peaks season one and two, then please go and check out the previous week's episode. In this episode, we discuss Lynch's work from Wild at Heart to Twin Peaks A Return. I hope you enjoy. Next up, Lynch left to do Wild at Heart, which was a rare box office success for David Lynch, because a lot of his films actually don't make money at the box office. Yeah. They're just classics, but people be sleeping on them. I love it. I love it. It's so good. And there's also a kind of Lynch fan, because this one really isn't too serious. Um, it's no, really pulpy. Dumb. There is a kind of Lynch fan that doesn't really like this film. And shame on them. It's one of his fucking best. Nick Cage... Nick Cage, <laughs> Nick Cage. <laughs> is, I mean, I would say his my favourite performance of him, probably him at his best, and this is wild Nick Cage, this isn't um, Nick Cage really like, you know, holding it back like an adaptation, wild Nick Cage, and David Lynch knows how to use that energy in his snakeskin jacket, which represents his individuality and his belief in personal freedom, Laura Dern, <laughs> I mean, sexiest fucking film couple of the 90s and the 90s was uh, i mean okay maybe not maybe bound but yeah, you know yeah. it's up there like and the 90s was not known for its restraint in terms of sex on screen <laughs> it was not uh willem dafoe is bobby peru willem dafoe one of his great villain roles i mean this and green goblin like jesus christ it's mad road trip with wizard of this is wizard of oz like he's putting of oz, that yeah. influence at at the forefront of this work jesus fucking christ it's a mental road trip the plot is literal a lot of weird <laughs> shit happens in it like um one of the things i think lynch loves a lot is like a little asides and there's one with like cheryl and fenn which is like pure lynch and yeah, the way he yeah. shoots stuff's very weird and when they get to what's the town called tuna or something tuna, yeah. <laughs> then it becomes like a lot darker but it's this mad passionate road trip movie there's so much fire imagery there's so fucking heavy metal in it the soundtrack is killer i mean it's it's i think anna lilia mirpour um who directed um girl walks home alone at night basically said it's the best movie of all time for her and what is there not to like in this film and she's 100 percent right yeah i love this movie obviously i'm not as huge on it as you are it's down further down on the Lynch list for me, and that's that is still like a nine out of ten for me. That's like saying it's further down on the Lynch list is like saying what's your favorite child? Like it's yeah, it's that's true. But like like it's um love Nick Cage in it, obviously absolute maniac, and this is full Nick Cage. Nick so Cage. many classic Cage moments. Yeah, not just him screaming Lula. I mean, the <laughs> musical sequence is like. I think when I first watched that, I was like, okay, this is the best thing ever. I'm sorry. Like, that scene is is one of my favourite scenes ever. When it goes from fucking power mad to Elvis so quick. <laughs> and it's so... It's such an odd Lynch film, because it's still very Lynch. It's super Lynch, but it's also not Lynch at all at the same time. It's because it's very literal. Like, the it's story very is literal. actually happening. Yeah, And you get a lot... You see a lot in this film of stuff he'd later, like, stuff he'd explore a bit more where road trips and all that kind of stuff and like putting literal sense into crazy stuff it's it's a very interesting movie well uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting movie but it's so fun it's that's the main takeaway i think it's very fun like it's not like it's not blue velvet it's not gonna make you feel horrific it's a very fun film it's... it has some dark shit but, but it's still a fun film 
I, I think as well, like, it's not like you, I mean, you obviously could write a dissertation on any of Lynch's films. But yeah. It's not like, yeah. oh, how do I interpret it? Like, everything in the film is, is apparent to a comical level. Like, it's that Lynch tone again of irony, but not irony. And, you know, he's he's using the imagery from The Wizard of Oz in this so we understand all the character dynamics without him even having to sort of explore them necessarily even though they are well explored as well it's just like you see the the mother as the evil as the wicked witch of the west and then you're like we know we know who she is instantly yeah yeah definitely it's it's very cut and dry a lot more than any probably any other lit well no still straight story to talk about but um, <laughs> but the more more other lynches it's just like i mean everyone you're gonna have a bloody blast watching this and this isn't i think like if you talk about, if you were to do a kind of, um, what's the game show, Pointless, where you'd yeah, ask people yeah. on the street, name a David Lynch movie, I don't think this would come up very much out of 100 people. No, same. But, I, I think Straight Story would be bottom, and then I think it'd yes, be this. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, maybe Inland Empire, but like, it's so fucking entertaining. It's so, it's so extra. Like, the sex and violence in this film is at 11. Um, oh, yeah. And... <laughs> In a not in, I mean, okay, there are some scenes which are again dark, but like, it's in this like popcorn way. Like, it's kind of like the ultimate romance road trip, a bit actiony, criminal underbelly, running away from the law film. It's like the perfect version of that. I wouldn't say it's a perfect film, frankly. It's very close to it, but like, it's like everything you could ever want in that genre of movie. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, this film is a success. It wins the Palm Door. It does, yeah, yeah. And American films don't often win that. No, no. So it's it's yeah, it is a big success, which is weird why it's not as well known now. I have the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray is I think they've re-released it since my copy, but the Blu-ray is kind of a shocking quality, like very yeah. noticeably. I would love to see this in the cinema at some point. Like it's just it's one of the best nineties films, and that's saying something as as we'll go to it. If this is sort of the fun one. We're getting into, I would say, Lynch's darkest film yet. And that is the prequel to Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which at the time was called by one critic, the worst movie ever made. <laughs> um, it baffled people because the audience of Twin Peaks were used to a certain tone. And this film is terrifying and not terrifying in a spooky movie way. It's terrifying in the exploration of abuse, basically. Yeah, yeah. Once, you know, the point of Twin Peaks or one of the central points of Twin Peaks, is here's the homecoming queen, this, again, all-American blonde-haired girl, and then you slowly see... I mean, not even... It's in the first episode, it starts. The dark side of her life. And this film is about that dark side of her life. It is And it's so really dark. scary. It is really scary. It's really dark. I came around on this movie because when I first met you, I told you I didn't like it. <laughs> and it was... <laughs> <laughs> you were blown away, but uh, I've seen it many times since, and I actually love the movie now, but it is so shocking. It's so, like, not Twin Peaks style, really, at all. It is it bears the name, and then it just goes brutal on you. The The first, like, half an hour is kind of a parody of Twin Peaks, which itself was a parody of American television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I love the first half. I think the, the when it starts and you got David Lynch's character, because David Lynch is in this and he's my favourite, you know, is, yeah. uh, Detective Gordon, he's my favourite character other than Coop in Twin Peaks. But you've got, um, what's his face? Chris Isaac and um, Keith Sutherland. 
uh, on their little case in the town where the first girl who Bob murdered. Bob is not. We're not spoiling anything. Don't fucking worry. We're not um, spoiling. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's like Twin Peaks, but everyone's miserable and uh, horrible. And it's like such a fuck you to Twin Peaks fans, and then it goes to Twin Peaks, and similar to the way Twin Peaks: The Return starts, you get the Twin Peaks music for about one second, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like, oh, don't be expecting Twin Peaks now. Don't you know it's dark? Lara Flynn who plays Donna, is, is recast. The rumors were she didn't want to do nudity; it was actually a scheduling thing. She's replaced by Moira Kelly, who uh, fans take issue with. I think she's really good, and I like Moira Kelly as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, explores the uh, last days of Laura Palmer's life. It adds a lot to Twin Peaks lore. Like there's stuff in this film which, 25 years later, makes sense in Twin Peaks file. Oh, so Twin much. Peaks Return. Yeah. David David Bowie, Bowie. yeah Bowie <laughs> all the Bowie stuff in in I mean to say the greatest scene in that film I don't even know if that's true because there's the pink room sequence and the the actual murder sequence but my God that dream sequence where he comes in it's absolutely absolutely phenomenal and everyone who watched that thing at the time was like what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah I think that was the big why people hated it at the time it was so what the fuck is happening like we know what twin peaks is well and I th it probably got such a bad reputation as well because people just wanted to know what the hell happened after season two and instead they got this brutal prequel <laughs> basically like it the first weekend this cleaned up at the box office and then it crashed there's yeah. footage, I don't remember if it's on the Blu-ray or if it's on YouTube, it's probably on both, of like uh, the Japanese audience, because Twin Peaks was hella popular in Japan. There was coffee adverts um, <laughs> with all the Twin Peaks characters, which are brilliant, and you have to watch them. Like They had its own little story, these coffee adverts. And it's interesting people when they come out, because Twin Peaks was a phenomenon there, and they're all like, what was that? <laughs> we have no clue. <laughs> you you have to watch the show first and then watch this. We are yeah, kind definitely. Of on yeah on eggshells right now because there is not really a way to talk about this without spoiling Twin Peaks. No. It's really dark. It is my favourite film score of all time, the Fire Walk With Me theme. It's got elements of the Twin Peaks themes in there in this much darker, brooding theme music. There's a few tracks in there by Lynch, which are very weird. The Bad Lamenti ones, though, really are the standouts. I mean, this is his be anyone's best work, in my opinion, for yeah, film score. Yeah. I initially, I rated this a bit less than I do now. I always loved it, but I rated it a bit less because I think some of the acting from some of the Twin Peaks cast isn't very good in it, but now come around and I can see what the performances are going for. I don't think it's perfect because I do think some of the supporting roles, they might not understand what yeah. they're doing. Lynch <laughs> might not be directing them well enough because they might be used to the TV and they got this... Um, yeah, what it does for the Twin Peaks is great. I mean, Harry Dean Stanton's character oh. is great. I mean, Harry Dean Stanton's what a fucking legend. Oh my god, Common Lynch um, <laughs> collaborator. It's one of the scariest, best horror films ever made because it's a horror film. Yeah, definitely. If you like horror, you like Twin Peaks, and you're not seeing this, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, Cheryl Lee's performance is one of the best of all time. Uh, the way there she we go captures, again. <laughs> <laughs> the way she captures Laura Palmer and that. I mean, the horror. The, like, the scene, yeah, horror the horrifying life. scene is a. Uh, it's uh, there's some stuff in this that is genuinely terrifying, and if you like that kind of stuff, you need to see it. You need to, and you need to watch the show first because I guess like people are like, oh, do I watch the prequel movie first? Absolutely not. Nah, I know. But yeah, this film, people have now come around to it being a masterpiece, 
And um, I'm thinking back to something I read. I wouldn't quite call it a masterpiece because it is. Um, I wouldn't I go back to something I read about Twin Peaks The Return, that the first couple of episodes, the viewership was mainly people who watched Twin Peaks at the time. They were older audiences, um, yeah. you know, actual boomers. Um, <laughs> and then by the end, it was all millennial and Gen Z audience. Like the original Twin Peaks audience had left that. And we, you know, people our age who are consuming it and getting it, like, it's the same thing. The audience that Twin Peaks had was a lot of, even for the time, older people, because it had that, like, nostalgia for the 50s, yeah, for 50s did, yeah. Americana, even though it's set in, in the contemporary. Um, that's not in Fire Walk With Me, and that's not in The Return. And a lot of the very comforting stuff in the original run, which I think is brilliant, it's not in The Return it's of not Fire there Walk at With all. Me. no, no. So that's why it alienated him a lot, but good. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine always talks about the color grading um, yeah, changing because yeah. it's all golden and pleasant in the original series. And uh, then it just becomes washed out and realistic. Yeah, super realistic and washed out in uh, Return, especially. There's a lot cut out. You can watch the missing pieces on the... Some of the Blu-rays have it, the deleted scenes. I've only seen a few of them because I kind of can't be bothered to sit for an hour and a half of deleted scenes. And they have more of the original town in it and more kind of, oh, here's XYZ character back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's Read the book the as well. Oh, I, I have read the book. I have the book. It's good, yeah. Yeah. It gives a lot um, of lore as well. That's Mark Frost wrote that. That's when Aliens, because Mark Frost is really keen on Aliens, It did right? do Aliens, yeah. That's when Aliens. <laughs> yeah, it's only very, it's, you know, you could ignore that. in the. Oh, you could completely show. ignore it, but it's got some cool stuff in. Do you have anything more to add on, on this, or shall we move no, to... No, go to the next one, which, again, so much to talk about. <laughs> Would you like to introduce this one, Dom, as it's your favourite? Um, I have no idea what to say about this movie. It's one of the greatest movies ever released, and it's... Also very divisive at the time. Incredibly divisive at the time, and it's a, a lynch people don't talk about as much. Um, there's so much in this movie that is just genius, and I had to just keep saying to you over and over again, Sturdy, this is the best lynch. This is unbelievable. Uh, Lost Highway. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, this is Lynch's return to good luck understanding this film. Oh, absolutely. This... Uh... Some of the moments in this movie, though, like there's the f bit that first blew me away ever is he's at the party and the white face man puts him on the phone and uh, to the other white face man. And I'm just, oh, my God, what full on horror, like full, full on, on. It's a horror film. Yeah, it's an absolute horrifying horror film. But it's so genius, like even parts I don't even still get. That I still am like, that has to be genius though. <laughs> like, it can't be anything else. Like, because it's, you see movies like this where you're like, this feels like it could be nonsense. This never has any of this. It's it not nonsense. It's complete genius all the way through. At the time, this was divisive. Now it's, now it's loved. Yeah, yeah. I think except for June, everything is basically really well liked at this point. But the Mystery Man sequence that you're talking about, that was always like known as one of the scariest scenes ever. It's just really creepy. But the plot, I mean, Bill Pullman is phenomenal. And then the kind of the way it turns itself around in the second half is great. It's if you've seen, because I had seen uh, Cache uh, by Michael Haneke. Very, very similar to Cache. Literally yeah. the same setup. Yeah, I think initially when I saw this, I thought, "Oh, the sets are a bit wonky," and now I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I, the atmosphere they they create is incredible." 
the use of the VHS tapes is incredible. What happens yeah. in the second half, you can interpret oh, it literally, you can interpret it metaphorically. Absolutely mind-blowing, the twist of the second half, what happens. Like, it. first time I saw this, I was like, what? Oh, what is, what? <laughs> and you've got the, um, the, that motif of the, you know, the duality of the women, Patricia Arquette's character yeah, is in a dual yeah. role. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot that Lynch does it with character in this that will confuse you a lot <laughs> if you uh, if you only watch it once. Especially this is a you have to watch this film multiple times to even understand who's playing who at what moment. It's a confusing but absolutely genius movie. And can we talk about the scar as well, please? <laughs> oh, not only Bad Lamente's back. The soundtrack is the most underrated soundtrack ever. That and Natural Born Killers, I'd say. Yeah, probably. Uh, this is where Ramstein came from. Nobody knew the fuck Ramstein were before this film came out. Like it's absolutely incredible. I have so much admiration for David Lynch because, like I said, like the Eraserhead soundtracks, like a, a very big influence in like experimental metal scenes. But like David Lynch in his fifties at this point is just like hey, I'm going to put a bunch of fucking industrial metal in my film. <laughs> yeah. You can't stop me. Like, obviously him and Trent have always been quite close since Trent came into the scene anyway. Trent's the biggest industrial metal person. But even, like, introducing Ramstein there, you've got Manson, you've got lots of other smaller... It's ridiculous. It's guy was 50 when he made this, and he's putting in industrial metal that even millennials hadn't heard of well not millennials at the time obviously but gen x gen x hadn't heard of like and it adds so much intensity the the manson and the ramstein needle drops are visceral oh. scenes the ending bit with the ramstein needle drop oh my god what a <laughs> it's genius but bowie's theme in this the second the film starts with the, the road whooshing by, the font, yeah. the David Bowie song. I was literally like, this is incredible. One of the uh, best opening credit sequences oh, of yeah. the time. I will gush about this film forever because it is, it's in my top ten films ever. Easily my favourite Lynch and number five or six in my top ten films ever. It just blows me away every single time I see it. Like I, I love little, it too. I yeah. love it too, but it's what you said about Wild at Heart. For me, it's a lesser Lynch, but you say a lesser <laughs> yeah. Lynch, it doesn't really matter. It's still an all-time, all-time fantastic film. Um, and I feel like my first response to it when I first saw it, because I think, unless you're coming from the time you will have seen Mulholland Drive first, is that a lot of the things in this he would explore later in Mulholland Drive, like, yes, yeah, um, in a bit more depth. But that doesn't mean they're devoid of depth or meaning or interesting in this film. And every single time I've watched Lost Highway, I've liked it more. I think I had it at 7 out of 10 when I first saw it. It is now a, like, high up 9. Yeah. I think, that for me, it's just the moments in this movie that make it. Like, the bit towards the end when it comes to the cabin and then it's just the mystery band and turns the camera round on him. Oh, yeah. oh my God. It's incredible. <laughs> I literally... Literally, I was just thinking that, and I was just like, "How do I describe this without spoiling the film?" Because, oh, that sequence is incredible. There's a tailgating sequence. Yeah, that yeah. whole arc with the gangster is so good. He's so funny. It's amazing. Um, everyone should go and watch every single David Lynch film, including this one. Yeah, because it's hard to talk about anything else we've just not in Lost Highway without spoiling it now, because there is a lot in there. I think the theme of duality is so 
Lynchian at this point in his career, like oh, yeah, Blue Velvet massively. and yeah. Twin Peaks and now this, and it's now kind of what he's known for almost. And again, this, this motif of the blonde-haired woman and the black-haired woman, it's in here. And it's in this, which is kind of why I always uh, think of Mulholland Drive. I mean, fuck, Patricia Arquette's so good. And she I remember seeing an, an yeah. interview with her where she was just like, every film I've ever done is like not liked at the time and then becomes a cult classic later, which is absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, it is very true. It seems to be everything she does. Yeah, It's a really dark film. I think this is Lynch's most overt horror film. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's obviously Firewall with me that we just talked about very horror, but Lost Highway just has a different sense to it that it just is really scary, especially some of the moments like walking through the apartment, just the cameras and everything. The the I mean the initial the scene that ushers in the second act when it's flipping between the VHS tapes yeah, and yeah. genius editing. When you get into like the um bits when they're making pornography and it's in that mansion and he's walking through it and you know, another thing that is really influential in games of David Lynch is the kind of walking into rooms and rooms changing and walking out and it changing too. Yeah, very, very fantastic. That Lynch tone is definitely there and it's got that real dark edge to it here. Like, the Mystery Man sequence, you could view it as kind of funny, but it's not. Oh, you could maybe see it as humorous, and you'd be like, oh, who's this guy? And then and then he's the most terrifying thing that's ever happened. <laughs> like, one of my favourite antagonists ever. I adore him. And no, nobody knows what the hell he is. Nobody has a clue. <laughs> I mean, he also... Should we get into the real life? Because like, Can we do that without spoiling this film? Uh, kind of, I think. <laughs> the actor who plays the Mystery Man in real life, did the thing that the film is about. Yes, it did. Very famously. (laughs) It's a bit fucked up, but it it adds so, so much to it once you know that as well. It's like, oh my god, okay. Lynch is casting, it's genius. He plays horror, uh, he casts horrifying people to play horrifying people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how do you follow up the best, one of the best... the best horror film of the 90s is Audition, actually, but then it's Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. So how do you follow up one of the best horror films of the 90s? <laughs> one of the darkest thrillers. You know, this film bombed. This film was controversial. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... No, I think this is Lynch's... This and Wild at Heart are Lynch's only still rated 18 films. How do you follow that up? You work with Disney. <laughs> yeah, you do a Disney film. <laughs> you make his most normal film. I mean, like, similar with The Elephant Man, there is like that, like... Not dark, because it's all very light and everyone's friendly, but you get that, like, weirdness of Americana in there in the straight story. Um, But ultimately, it's just a very heartwarming film about, uh, you know, this is about the the last days of the World War II generation, basically, being common commonplace in America. And Richard Farnsworth gives an outstanding performance as this old guy who can't drive and wants to make amends with his brother so drives his lawnmower across the state yeah it is it's a big anomaly in uh lynch's body of work but it's a very good film rated you yeah (laughs) universal like it's it's a very nice film it's it's so weird that it's david lynch um it has his little bits in there it has americana like you said and it has some Lynchian themes, not exploring them too deep, otherwise it won't be a you, but it has them there. But it's such an, it's a nice little film. It's such an anomaly we could 
never talk about on this podcast if we weren't doing a Lynch special. <laughs> He's an amazing character. Um, Sissy SpaceX, very good. I don't quite know if you'd play someone with uh, mental disabilities like, quite like that anymore. But um, No, probably not. No. <laughs> probably not, but it's still a very good performance. Um, yeah, Oscar nominated. It also bombed. I mean, this is probably his most obscure film. Um, I think so, yeah. There's not a Blu-ray release. I have the DVD copy of it. but Yeah, that's not... all I have. I just have the DVD as well. It's a really nice film. I mean, there's not much plot. I remember watching the nostalgia. The nostalgia critic review of it is fucking insane. Like, bad. <laughs> I've um, not seen it. it. Disney Sember. <laughs> oh, he's like, it's really boring, but I enjoyed it. And it's not boring. It's not boring at all, Doug. But um, <laughs> Doug, it's, like, good it's it's not boring, but not a lot happens. It's not a slow film because like he's constantly on his journey, but not a lot happens. He just goes and meets people, and everyone's very friendly. That's the film. Yeah. Everyone's a nice person in it, which I, I like films like that. That is the film, and it's a it's a fun one. It's a cute little lunch film. <laughs> Show your kids uh, it. <laughs> show your kids, show your, your parents. My mum really liked it when I watched it with her. Some quite touching moments. I don't yeah, think there with are, his brother, yeah. but like, yeah. I always find a scene at the bar where he's talking with the other World War II veteran. Um, That's that's a very oh, touching Oh yeah, it's moment. lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of like, just touching kind of human emotional moments. And it's what the film is. If you want a nice little film to settle down and relax to in the evening, it's this one. It's funny because I think unless you're a hardcore David Lynch fan, of all the like, films that we've had to like say oh this will make you feel terrible i think this is the hardest sell for our audience <laughs> for our audience is the hardest sell but if you've just watched lost highway or fire what with me watch this for a little <laughs> little little, really, little light relief yeah so what do we get to next after well this what do you do when you make pick? a family-friendly disney film you go and make Mulholland Drive. You, you make... make Mulholland fucking drive. <laughs> you go and make a fucking terrifying film with one of the most famous jump scares of all time. Yeah. Imagine seeing that at the moment, like seeing Mulholland Drive when it first came out and seeing that jump scare and being like, oh, I knew it was God. coming because I used to watch, you know, film 2000 and whatever. And they did a top five scariest moments. And I think this was number one or two on it. Yeah, I can see it being on that. I've seen it at the top of so many like, oh, worst, best jump scare lists and everything. But that might be what it's known for uh, in part. Another yeah. thing it's known for is um, a consortium of film critics, I think the BBC ran this poll, voted it the best film of the 21st century and it's it's up there. Yeah, it's, it's It would be the... in my top five of the 21st century, that's for certain. Absolutely up there. Like, if I talk about not just personal favourite, but genuinely, unbelievably created, thematic, character-driven fucking weird out there movies it's unbelievable if you look on like early internet forums i mean a lot of these are preserved everyone speculating what happens in this film and unlike a razorhead where lynch is like i'm not talking about it lynch is like i'm not talking about it but there is a thing There's that happens answer. in this film it yeah. is decipherable and you want to decipher it so bad it's like the best puzzle movie ever yeah, it is. It is. Better than Primer, Inception, yeah, yeah. 12 Monkey. Best, best puzzle, solve it. Because there's also like supernatural elements, possibly, maybe not in this. Yeah, because there's so many ways. Like, you could watch Mulholland and just be kind of like, well, I get that. But then there's so much deeper layers to it that there's so much hidden in there. Like, there's so much in the background. It's an, It's so clever. 
like on on the surface you've got similar to blue velvet this brilliant engaging you could just watch it on this level and love the film like noir mystery movie is woman with uh who's got amnesia and this budding young actor who's come to hollywood and she's trying to work out who she is then on the next level you've got this like cynical satire of the hollywood system lynch is obviously no fan of that after especially yeah. after june but like continuously you know like the person who's running it all is the cowboy it's a fairly obvious metaphor then under that you've got this endlessly deep character study endlessly endlessly deep of Naomi Watts, uh, Naomi Watts's character. It's absolutely incredible. And then under that, there's a horror movie. And then under yeah. that, there's a black comedy. It's just Th incredible. Th there's every layer of everything in this movie. Like, it's watch this 10, 20 time kind of movie to try and decipher what is going on. Like, I have I mean, my theories, but I'm not even going to try and attempt are it. Are they? Uh, I can't spoil it. I can't. Yeah, I was just about exactly. to make some jokes yeah. about it, but I literally can't spoil it. The sequence that ushers in the third act of the film, where it the carpet is pulled out from under you, uh -huh. one of the greatest sequences of any movie ever. Yeah, Club unbelievably. Yeah, I mean, directing at its finest with the backing track. The the story is so engrossing. The characters are so charismatic and watchable. But, I mean, you know, we talked about the jump scare. We talked about one of the scariest sequences of all time. People don't talk... There's a scene where someone has got to get a book and it's <laughs> hilarious. There's a scene where someone walks into their house and Green Onions is playing in the background. It's incredible. It's really funny on that level. It's such a watchable movie. And it works on every level. It is an all-time, all-time great film. I mean, not just Naomi Watts. Um, Justin Theroux is so yeah, good in this yeah. too. And I think we should mention that this was a uh, a TV pilot as well. This was a Twin Peaks spin-off initially. It was, uh, yes. That became yeah. its own thing. Yeah, because you can see definitely hints of Twin Peaks-esque stuff in there. Ideas he had going on and kind of vibes within there. And he kind of, we'll talk about it later on maybe, but he brings might, it back might in. Might still be in the shared universe. It might still be in the shared universe, yeah. But what a, what an amazing... There are clips of the pilot movie. online. I don't think it's... I mean, it's definitely never properly been released. But yeah, adapted into a film that became an all-time classic. This is like... Even before I saw Twin Peaks and I kind of... With like, oh, I get David Lynch. This was like a 10 out of 10 on first watch instantly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody knows that it is. And then you, even when you get David Lynch, then you're like, oh, this is even further. <laughs> Yeah. But like I went um on the re-release of it after it was voted the best film of the 21st century and they were like quick get this out again. Um I went with my dad and brother who frequently get annoyed at the films I have taken them to. <laughs> and to my surprise they both came out being like this is one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that good. Where do we go it's, after this, Stern? It was Where so we... hard to talk about without spoiling it. So <laughs> yeah, I know. so much I want to say about the plot. Like, the main thing to talk about Mulholland Drive is what it's about. And I feel like I can't say you a single can't. word about it. You have to experience it before you talk about it. I mean, I would say if you have never seen a David Lynch film, I'd actually tell you to watch Twin Peaks. But other than watching Twin Peaks, this would be the, sec the thing I'd tell our audience listening if they're complete newbies to david lynch to go and see yeah absolutely yeah so after mulholland drive david lynch has a lot of experimental stuff online and then he's like okay i want to kind of make a film out of this digital has just started and david lynch 
is not like a kind of Christopher Nolan or Tarantino figure <laughs> no. who fucking hate digi- um, digital and think it's a like a bastardization. To David Lynch, digital is like the freedom to go make whatever he wants. He can film whatever, however much footage he wants and cut it all together and it doesn't matter. And he goes and buys a kind of prosumer grade camera, but we're talking <laughs> early 2000s. So even a couple of thousand dollar camcorder is ter- like it's in standard definition. This yeah, film. yeah. Like they got a Blu-ray release recently, and everyone's kind of like, "Don't watch it on Blu-ray. Don't watch it on 4K." There's no point. Yeah, it's the only film to actually experience on DVD. And goes and makes this experimental film, chopping together a lot of bits from his online stuff, like rabbits, um, with Laura Dern and Jeremy Irons. Uh, it's his weirdest film. Which is saying something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was described, the, the plot of the film is, it's about a woman in trouble. That is true. <laughs> That's the plot of the film. She is in trouble. Like, it starts out in a kind of surreal but real world, and then sort of half hour into the film, there's like a little dark spot in the back of this film set, which she's working on this film that Jeremy Irons is doing, and she goes through it, and then it becomes Lynch, pure Just, unadulterated yeah. Lynch, for the next two and a half hours. It's a really, t- it's three hours long. It's a tiring watch. It's a, it's a hard watch, Inland Empire. We didn't even say it was Inland, but yeah, it's Inland Empire. Oh, it's Inland Empire. <laughs> yeah, it is a difficult watch to get through. I, it's it, like, this is what people think all Lynch is, is this movie, who don't know Lynch. That's the thing with this. You actually have to be a hardcore Lynch fan. You have to be like, I love Lynch's surreal imagery, I love his vibe. You have to love those things because it's incomprehensible. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a load of ideas stitched together. There is a plot, but... Kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of, like you say. Like, it's it's a load of vibes. It is a, There is a mystery plot with this film and the original version of this film, etc., etc. But, yeah, it's Laura Derm wandering through a lot of fucked up things. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think... It's an okay film. Like I, I like it. Yeah, I quite like it, and it gets it's such an odd one. Like some of the moments give off Neil Breen fucking vibes, and then some of it's like it's so. We need to do a supercut of this podcast anytime we compare anything to Breen because I feel it happens on an episode by episode basis. Uh, yeah, most probably. <laughs> he is the most genius filmmaker on. <laughs> of course, uh, you know David Lynch is at a two. You said you said he's your second. Um, we can reveal your favorite director. <laughs> yeah, but, Neil sorry, Breen. the big reveal is Neil Breen is number one. <laughs> I I like it. I feel like again, it was very divisive when it came out, even amongst Lynch fans, and it got re-released this year. And you know, when it gets re-released, everyone calls it a masterpiece because it's made by David Lynch. Yeah, I give this a seven out of ten. It's the only yeah, same David yeah. Lynch film I have seen once. Yeah, because it's a three-hour-long movie as well. Like, and it's not. It's not an easy. It's not like a Scorsese where something's happening and it, it, it's warranting it. Like this is just insane. <laughs> like, That's what I mean when he's when Lynch talks about like freeing himself up with digital. Like they shot like nine hours for this and yeah, cut it down to yeah. three. But you've got some truly terrifying moments again. Yeah, um, you do. One yeah. of the scariest jump scares is in this film. The face. Um, <laughs> the face. Yeah. You've got mad bits with sort of tons of extra. The dance sequence in it is like. Oh, it made me smile like the creativity the soundtrack is brilliant um a lot of very weird bluesy kind of stuff in it the sd kind of handheld style you know it's it's, it's kind so, of trying to yeah yeah 
it's trying yeah. to ape a bit like a home movie and it works really effectively like even the first scene when her neighbor who's um sarah palmer in twin peaks comes yeah. in and starts talking to her it's really unsettling it is like such extreme close-ups and like it's such a very unsettling movie like from start to finish like because a lot of it is like these weird vignettes that have been stitched in there it creates a really unsettling feeling a lot of the way through like the rabbit shit just it's quite a weird and disturbing movie but it's not it's not like it's not like dark like a lot of his other ones. Like it is dark. I'd say it's very, yeah. very dark. It's it's very dark, but it's not like as intense in a way as a lot of his other ones. It's more creates a weird. I I would say it's probably it. going. I'd say it probably is going for that intensity. I would just say that it's not quite as good as Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet. No. So the intensity isn't quite as visceral. Like I I I'm saying I I think. This is the only Lynch film. This and well, June, you'd recommend for other reasons. This is the only Lynch film I'm like, you have to love Lynch. If you love Lynch, you must watch Inland Empire. Yeah, because yeah. This is uncut Lynch, but it's it's, it's like even it's, it's for those Lynch fans that are even above me a little bit, where they're all into his crazy art pieces and everything. Oh, and I like. Yeah, I think that was a good time to kind of mention, like, uh, you know, some of his short films are like baffling like i've seen all of dumbland and i'm like okay cool rabbits <laughs> rabbits works really well in inland empire but 40 minutes of it online okay cool what did jack do was a fucking shit post it was yeah, very it was funny a as a shit post, post. Yeah. <laughs> but you know like i like that but like it's not like wow my mind is blown you know even some of his early stuff i don't think it's bad i mean he was he got grants based on how amazing his short films were, but like his paintings and his shorts uh, don't really do it for me. No, I no. mean he does done adverts, which are you know good. They're David Lynch adverts. He's done music videos, which are real good. Uh, yep. um, Perfect Drug is a good bloody music. Obviously, video. yeah, yeah. Nine Inch Nails, they just love mu- movies so much. They do. They're getting working with Lynch and Fincher and everything. I mean, no wonder Trent Reznor's become a the one of the best you know soundtracks uh, movie score artists ever. Yeah, if you wanted to hear me gush about a human, we could talk about Trent Reznor. <laughs> um, but after making this, which was like his... Uh, this is kind of, you know, it's it's borderline an art piece. It's I want to stress, it's a good film. And I think it's worth watching if you love Lynch completely. And I do really like it. And I did want to watch it in the cinema when it was re-released. And I just missed my opportunity. Yeah. Laura Dern is outstanding. And David Lynch campaigned for her to win an Oscar oh. by getting a the cow donkey. and it sitting was, outside oh, cow, the academy. Yeah. Just, what, a, what a shit post of a man, honestly. <laughs> as, if, as if the academy, as if the academy would watch anything like in that <laughs> empire and award it with anything oh i love him i love him so much but yeah he retired from filmmaking forever yeah after this uh worked to work on his paintings i went to an exhibit of his paintings at home in manchester when they did a whole david lynch season i wasn't really blown away by his paintings they are paintings un david do david lynch yeah. like you, you 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 like oh cool this is all your imagery um, he did music. I don't really like his music that much. No, uh, same. Yeah. But I got into David Lynch, what, like around 2011, 2012-ish. So I was just like, cool, he's old. I'm not, you know, going to experience. He's a classic director. It's like, it's like you know, watching Stanley Kubrick stuff. You know, I, I don't have to ever experience any new David Lynch. That's okay. Oh, boy. And then? <laughs> and then David Lynch 
gives us 18 fucking hours <laughs> at age 70 so in his mid 70s yeah gives us 18 hours of some of the craziest best things he's ever made in his entire life and that was twin peaks the return and it was on every day after game every monday after game of thrones on sky atlantic and Game of Thrones was still decent then, in my opinion. It was pretty good at that point still, Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was not like... Uh, every Monday, I was not like, ooh, Game of Thrones. I was just like, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Like, I think it's the only thing I've ever described like this, where I've, I've said to many people that I legitimately felt privileged to be able to watch this. That's actually how I viewed it. Twin Peaks The Return is one of the best things I've ever seen put to anything in my life. It is it's hard to talk about because there's so much in this that we could spoil like it is we watched the first two episodes together the night that we released and we we planned to watch all four because they released the first four in one go and after the first double bit episode it was a two-parter we're just like we can't that was too intense it was so intense like there's so much in this and we were we had no idea what to expect and it is nothing we could have ever expected it's it's i mean the run-up to the show i think we should talk about the run-up to this show yeah yeah airing before like de- all the twin peaks cast and david lynch start tweeting that gum you like is coming back in style uh you know like some quotes from twin peaks and everyone's like oh my god and then it's revealed david lynch is doing twin peaks season three i'll see you again in 25 years he was fucking right he was correct it was 25 that's how the show years starts, later isn't it? 25 years later they're coming back then david lynch fucking quits yeah, and the studio and um, Showtime because it's on Showtime now. We're like, we he didn't tell us this because there was um budgetary dispute. All the cast start doing videos where they're like, you gotta have David Lynch on. David Lynch, genius because he gets to do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, he gets an ungodly amount of money to make eighteen hours of Twin Peaks, and it starts and you hear the Twin Peaks theme, and then it's cuts to new york city (laughs) and it's like nothing nothing like twin peaks the original one was and this is you know 2017 it's at the time where everything's getting remakes and soft reboots and everything and this is such a fuck you to that it's like you want nostalgia i'm giving you it tiny little sprinkles of nostalgia you're getting something totally different you get tiny glimmers of the original in there like even like crying at pictures of Laura Dern and stuff. There's just tiny little, oh, that's like the parody again before it cuts hard back to reality almost in it. <laughs> so David Lynch trolls the audience so hard in it. Like the way he does Dougie as a character <laughs> is like my favorite thing ever because you start out being like very funny. Then you get really frustrated and angry. Yeah, because and Coop then by just the end, you're like, I love this. him. Like, Coop is in it for about 40 minutes of 18 hours. Like, it... like, there was... The trailer was just kind of atmosphere. There was no... There was the cast list drop, and it had the most absolutely insane cast list on ever. It was like every cool person ever is yeah. in this show. Everyone is lining up to work with David Lynch. And... Yeah, this really explores the law really well. It explores the consequences at the end of, you know, what happens at the end of the original run. It's so dark. Oh my god, yes. And it's really fucking funny. There is one episode 
that is the best episode of TV ever episode made. Episode 8 is the best episode of I'm television not ever made, yeah. going to spoil what happens in that, but oh my god. Like, that episode is... starts out with a musical performance, and you think, okay, this is the highlight of the episode, it can't get better than this, and then it gets better than that. It it destroys everything I thought I knew about TV and storytelling, and like the way it goes into the lore of Twin Peaks, that like, we had no idea what way it was gonna go. It's like unbelievable. There's so many strands. I mean, there's a strand back in Twin Peaks. There's like every character's doing his own thing. Like Doctor Jacoby is now Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so weird. But... It's so <laughs> weird. It's like that. You got them. Um, David Gordon Cole, you know, David Lynch's character and Alfred Molina's character and the new detective Tammy, who I think is a genius character yeah, and people don't yeah. have to do is back. Um, there are so many surprises. I can't even spoil. Like there was oh. someone's name on the cast list and you kind of think, oh, what if? Yeah. And, and it oh, is. Ah. It is if. <laughs> like if anyone was going to that it's that person. <laughs> I hope you like us talking. Um, if you've seen Twin Peaks Return, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Hands down, you know. Carl McLaughlin, give that man every acting award oh, ever. Oh, I love it. How him many characters so is he playing in this? And he's a genius. He's so good. He's amazing. But like, th there's so much personality. Like, two of my favorite Twin Peaks characters introduced in this, which is the Mitchum brothers. Yeah. They're so, <laughs> like, David Lynch's comical gangsters. Like, you see it in Lost Highway in the tailgating sequence. It's so funny. And like, there are some horrific moments in this. Like, there's a bit in episode one where he's like, what do you do? Oh, I look in this box to see if something comes in the box. Oh but God. nothing's come in the box ever. One of the scariest sequences ever. But then there's like a bit in one of the episodes where they're trying to swat away a fly. And it's one of the most genius comedy sequences <laughs> yeah. ever. That's If you've seen the viral video of David Lynch being like, who the fuck cares if the scene's too long? It's that <laughs> scene. And it's <laughs> it's genius. Is um, it's uh, the return is a culmination of everything great Lynch has ever done. It's so fucking brilliant. Just watch it. <laughs> Every character interaction is so joyful to watch. It's so good. This is a man in his seventies. This is a man who has changed cinema, changed art house cinema, changed surrealist cinema. Fucking debatably, no, 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 not debatably, changed popular culture. Yeah, and yeah. every level, and he's still finding ways to surprise you. Because, like Inland Empire, I don't think there's anything like a David Lynch fan would be surprised in at that. No, this, absolutely not. He's still finding ways to surprise you. Like, there's so many moments could be the greatest short film of all time, and they're all in this show, <laughs> and they're all in one show. He's it's his magnum opus almost. It's it's like his swan yeah, it's song. There. It's ridiculous. Like it's so good. Like. Hayer du Cinema put this as the greatest film of the 2010s. It's not a film. It's not even a fucking miniseries. It's the third season of a television show that started in the 90s. I hate that pretentious wankery of Twin Peaks The Return is so good. It's not actually a show. It's a film. It's a show. It's a show. And it's the best yeah. season of television ever made. Yeah, I would, uh, I would sign that as well. <laughs> like I kind of said before, it was really interesting to read that it starts out and like the main audience is the original people watching Twin Peaks and the audience just a hundred percent changes. Like my mum was around for Twin Peaks at the time and she said she didn't quite get it at the time. I watched the original run with her when I got the DVDs of it. We loved it watching it together. 
we watched most of season three together, and she was like, I wouldn't have stuck with this if I wasn't watching it Oh, with you, no, basically. absolutely not. No, <laughs> I could see so many original fans being like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, Zara, my, my girlfriend doesn't, li- doesn't like season three. I'm oh, my God. Blown by- She's the only person I know, and then everyone else that I talk to loves it, validates how wrong she is on, on that one. <laughs> but it is so different, and you come from this, like, colourful, cult, quirky television show... And then you get something much slower, much bleaker, much weirder, with about 50 billion story arcs. Yeah. All of which work. And everybody you want to see comes back. Like, everybody. I mean, there's a whole thing, like, a lot of... Because this is 25 years after Twin Peaks, and, you know, it's not like everyone in Twin Peaks was super young when they did it. So, like, a lot of people on the verge of of death like that starts with Catherine Coulson as the log lady like she was properly on the verge of death doing her bit David Bowie was on the way out while this was filming so what they do with his character is not only so David Lynch but it's so genius it's so good yeah because you know he's gonna be in it because he has to be if they're exploring the lore of Twin Peaks and what they do when, when, when he's in it really near the end you're like this is genius it's so good it is uh it is such a perfect way to end kind of talking about David Lynch as well and everything, because it is, it's all of his stuff in there. Also, what I need to add as well, never, ever, in ever has a fictional show, like a non-fiction, you know, drama, ever provoked the phrase, oh, I wonder which band is on Twin Peaks this week. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a genius little thing that he's got in there. It's a band plays every time and it... it unbelievable performances as well i think the most controversial thing in this is what they do with audrey's character and i love the bit she's in but i think creative differences between david lynch and cheryl and fan mean she is sidelined i do love the bits with her in it and i love the end i love the end of that arc and what i think that arc means yes but yeah yeah, i i see why people take a bit of issue with that that's kind of it criticism that's all the criticism that little 20 second What's your favourite bit of Twin Peaks The Return and say it is ambiguous as possible? Because mine bit. is... Um, it's got to be in episode eight. It's got oh, we're going to have the same bit, aren't we? <laughs> Which bit are you going to say? Let's see. After the musical performance, it cuts to black and uh, then it cuts to like... A, it cuts to like, what would that be? 60 years prior. It cuts to 1945. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, also my favourite <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love uh, Mr. Jackpot as well. Hello! Oh, Anything with God, the Mitchell yes. brothers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 there's a scene where someone goes for coffee with a character and is trying to poison them. And it's, <laughs> w- again, that Lynch tone. It's hysterical. It's touching all at the yeah. same time. Actually, no, I'll tell you my favorite moment of it. Possibly even better than the bomb is like the start of one of the episodes when. Uh, they're coming in in a conga line to the office. Oh I my god, yes. died of laughter. <laughs> you know, in episode eight, I think my favourite bit might be um, him talking into the radio. It's terrifying. Yeah, I think that's might be my, my favourite bit. That's what, that's one of the things that's really interesting. Like, in Fire Walk With Me, and some of the, like, surrealist Red Room sequences, there's stuff in it for, like, a split second that becomes, like, super, super important lore. Yeah. And the fact that, like, when David Lynch returned to this, he's properly, like, we're going to... Not explicitly, because, Dave, you've got to think. You've got to piece things together yourself. That's why Twin Peaks was such a success in the first place. 
um, we're going to properly kind of add more pieces to the puzzle. Like we say it's a troll and it's a subversion of expectation. But also, if you want more Twin Peaks, this is the best thing you could have ever asked for. Yeah, this is the everything that we hoped and more in what we wanted. Unless you have anything to add on Twin Peaks, I'm so fucking happy we've done this episode. Yeah, I know, same. We did it. Let me see. How long have we been talking? Okay, I think I'm going to switch into into two parts, possibly. Yeah. Maybe not. If you're listening to a two-hour episode, I didn't. And if you're listening to two one-hour ones, I did. I've had the time up here the entire time. And I was like, okay, this has gone um, <laughs> the longest easily. Oh, well, we knew it. Like we were yeah. saying before, like we talked about less things in the French New Extremity special. And that went an hour. And this is not only more films, but this is David Lynch we're talking about. Like, we could have done hour-long deep dive into everything like we haven't deep dived into the films not just we haven't gone spoilers we have barely talked about behind the scenes stuff because this is just an overview of david lynch and the greatest director of all time and i love him and you know something i actually want to end like this um i know like quite a few people now are getting into film i don't know why everyone the last year has just decided they're going to get into film (laughs) uh, which i'm very very happy about no gatekeeping here And it brings me so much joy when people have started watching David Lynch's films and they're watching Mulholland Drive or generally Mulholland Drive, but Blue Velvet, Twin Peaks for the first time. You know, these are things that meant the world to me when I was a teenager, still mean the world to me, still like some of the most important art in my life, like ever. And they're gushing about it and they've seen it for the first time. And I'm like reliving me watching it for the first time and it's like it's like incredible and it's just another little thing of making me appreciate how like david lynch has like totally totally formed my life like more than just my taste in art like my life i don't think any anything's gonna happen like finding his films like i'd say maybe this maybe watching the simpsons obsessively as a child is number one and can't be taken away from me maybe 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 tarantino when I found his films, that's sort of on a par with Lynch, maybe. But David Lynch is one of the single most important things in my life. Yep. What a way to end it. <laughs> no hyperbole in this episode. No I want was... to reiterate again. Every time I've said, or we've said, one of the greatest or the greatest of all time, we mean it. Yep. No hyperbole whatsoever. It, genuinely, David Lynch has affected our lives like the big thing Sterney just did there and for me it's so much as well it was my favorite director for a while is now my number two but it's such a profound on the way that I view cinema on the way that I view art in general mm-hmm. it's just everything do you want to tell people who your favorite director is oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's not Neil Breen it's uh Richard Linklater is now my favorite but <laughs> It's like the polar opposite of David yeah, Lynch. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, I I love, I adore Link later. We could, if we were doing a different podcast, we would do a like five oh, hour episode absolutely. on Days of Confused. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, season two. Season applause, applause, two, applause. everybody. <laughs> we did it. I've loved this season. It's gone completely off the rails. Oh, and absolutely. I'm here for it. It's gone everywhere. <laughs> Like, I like how it starts off, like, the audition episode was a fairly normal episode, so is the El Topo, and then everything else is, like, bonkers we've done. Yeah, it's all insane, and this being, this is, like, the the size of, like, the big podcast that people do. (laughs) Like, this is a long one. I know, right? I mean, we could have, we we, could have done a D&D campaign in this time. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in. Yes, thank thank you you very much. 
I probably will cut this in two, unless I haven't cut it in two, in which case you've listened to two hours straight. But um, Absolute maniacs. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, we really, really, really appreciate everyone listening to this, um, whether you're, you know, you're a regular listener or you just click on one episode and you're like, oh, I'm interested in this thing and I want to... You know, the episodes, without getting into specific analytics, there's a ridiculous discrepancy in views for some of them. Yeah. And it's almost random when they do it. But, like, any single person listening to us talk about film for any length of time, it means the world to both of us. Absolutely, yeah. I'm still planning something special. I don't know when it's happening. Probably no, next no year. No idea. Probably next no year No idea when sometime. it's happening. Yeah. Um, but I'm planning something special probably next year. Who knows if we'll be back for season three. We um, will be back. <laughs> we'll be back, apparently. So I hear. <laughs> Don't hold your breath anytime soon, though. But, no, um, but we will. This, we will. Thank you again for listening. And uh, see you next year, potentially. Yes. Goodbye, everyone. Fucking two hours and five minutes. You've been listening to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with Alexander Sternberg and Dom Loach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing as it really helps us out. The original artwork for the podcast was done by George Arnold. The Extreme Cinema Podcast, available where all good podcasts are available.